When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 5460, the Joe West Podcast. Featuring former Major League Baseball umpire Joe West. For six decades, no one has seen more baseball than Joe West. And now he shares those stories with you every week right here on the Podcast Heat Network. is asking the Reds to leave the field. I guess maybe as a form of security. Well, Joe West is not going back behind the the catcher. So what is he doing? He he wants to throw him out or what? He's not going to back away from confrontation. It's just not in his makeup. Which guy are we talking about back in the way? Well, come to think of it, hey, it's both guys. And they're warning the Atlanta dugout now. A helmet came flying out. Bobby Cox, I don't think, threw the helmet. One of his players did. Bobby's jawing back at Joe West. But somebody's been tossed, and here comes Cox. It was Bobby Cox who threw the helmet out there. Off the umpire, and that's a foul ball. Joe West gets drilled, and he appears none the worse for it. He's a strong man. (laughs) Nice. Now Joe's going to give him some argument because Mark's saying, why do you do? Joe, just get over there and umpire, will you? Just get over there and umpire. That's all. It's 5460, the Joe West Podcast. Here's Joe West and your host, Mike Claiborne. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an edition of 5460. It's the Joe West Podcast. I'm Mike Claiborne. Joe, how are you? Wonderful. Wonderful. I finally got the the electronics to work so we can talk today. All right. You ready to have some fun today? Because we're going to have fun with a really special guest. Uh, 16 years in the major leagues. He played for Chicago, Arizona, and also the Diamondbacks. Also a world champion with the Diamondbacks. 2,400 hits. A career 300 hitter. Played with a lot of good players in his career. Andre Dawson, Ryan Sandberg, Randy Johnson, to name a few. Let's say hello to Mark Grace. Mark, how are you, sir? Hi, guys. Thanks for uh, – th- this is an honor. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the air with you, Clibs, and I'm also on the air with, uh, with an umpire that uh, logged more games than any umpire in the history of the game. And uh, he, he's not only a, a, a family member in, in baseball, but I, I can also call him a good friend. Westy, how are you, pal? Well, it's great. It's great to have you on here, too. We're excited that you would join us. This is really neat. It is. I mean, it is. You, know, who, you and me, the two of the two of the dumber people in the world could figure out a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I need you to tell that story that happened at second base in Shea Stadium. 
with uh, Tim Bogar because uh, that that really depicts how sick we really are. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So so here we go. Uh, we're playing at Shea Stadium, old Shea Stadium in New York. I had gotten to second base, and uh, and the the shortstop uh, at the time for the Mets was a was a guy named Tim Bogar, who is now a, he's a coach for somebody. He's been been a coach for a long time, but you know he was he was kind of a backup uh, shortstop, middle infielder when in his playing days, and uh, he was playing that day. And there's a pitching change, so so Joe Joe West is is the second base umpire. I'm I'm on second base, and. During a pitching change, you know, there's, there's you got time to converse a little bit uh, with with a second baseman or a shortstop and the second base umpire. And we got to, you know, Tim Bogart comes over, you know, hey Timmy, you know, hey Gracie, what's happening? And and, and Joe's Joe's you know minding his business about ten feet away. He's not he's not really getting involved in our conversation. So so it, it's a getaway day. Uh, getaway getaway day means we're we're traveling out that day. It's the last game of the series and. Uh, Bogart comes up to me. He says, "Hey, Gracie, where are you guys? Where, where are you guys going? Uh, where are you guys headed today?" And uh, and I said, "I said, well, we're we're going to Montreal." And, uh, and I said, "What what about you guys?" He, and, and 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 that didn't even get out. And he didn't and, and the, he didn't even let me ask him that question before he says, "Hey, Joe, where are you headed today?" And Joe says, "I'm going to St. Louis. Where are you going? Tidewater?" And Tidewater is Tidewater's triple <laughs> And I just immediately oh shit. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know what to do. I just I just tried to stifle a laugh, not to not to not to embarrass Tim Bogart, but but I was just like, oh my gosh, Joe West, you just went there and he did and that's not the first time he went there. He went there a lot. Yeah, well, it, he, I think he forget that was his first week in the big leagues. Is that what it was? Okay, yeah, yeah I, I did. I did not realize that. And and the sad part of this story was well, not sad. It's really funny. It's, it's hilarious. He, he came to bat for the next, I want to say three three years, and when he'd come to bat, I'd say, "How you doing, Tidewater?" <laughs> <laughs> and he would just bow his head, get in the box, never say a word. You know, so. <laughs> It was about four years later. He came to bat, and I said, "Hey Tim, how you doing?" He dropped the bat and he gave me a big hug. He said, "I finally made it." <laughs> so, so last last year he gave me a baseball, and on the baseball he wrote, "Where are you going?" Best Come on. Tim Bogart. <laughs> <laughs> I have the baseball here somewhere. <laughs> hey, Gracie, what was your first encounter with Joe? Uh, well, okay. Well, it was my rookie year, and that's the thing. When you play first base like I did, you've always got an umpire right there with you. So you kind of you kind of get to know just about every umpire in the in the. At, when I first got to the to the big leagues, there was National League umpires and American League umpires. It wasn't you know the. The, the mixed bag like it is now. And, you know, when I got, when Joe, the first time, the first time Joe, I had Joe at first base, you know, somebody, you know, there, there were veteran guys on the team, like, you know, Hey Gracie, you got Joe West over there with you today, you know, like, uh, you know, behave yourself because, uh, you know, he'll, he'll get up your ass and I'll be like, I'll be like, all right. You know, I, I felt like I was a, like I was a, you know, 
nice enough kid, you know, and, and you, know, I, you, you say hello and all that. But as I as the more and more I got to know Joe, the more and more I got to got to like him. But I remember I remember and I want to ask Joe this question. Uh, the my first manager was a was a fellow named Don Zimmer. And uh, it just now 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 Joe can a- answer this better, but it just seemed like Don Zimmer and Joe West didn't like each other. <laughs> and and I and I don't and and I, what, so, so it seemed like every time there was a call. Now this is before replay and everything. It seemed like every time there was a call at first base that was a bang bang play. Here would come Don Zimmer out out from the dugout, and I mean Joe and Don Zimmer just would would just get after each other. You know, back in the day when you when umpires and managers did that. So so I never really got a got a word in edgewise. You know, anytime there was a there was a bang bang call because Don Zimmer would come out and Joe and him would just have a have an ass chewing contest. You know, and and it was it was entertaining, but. You know, I never asked. I never asked Zim, and Zim's gone now. But I never asked Zim what his problem was. But Joe, what is it about Zim, or what is it about both of you that that you guys just didn't didn't get along? Well, I don't. I don't know if uh, when you first, of course, Keith Moreland was there when yeah. you played, and they sent him to third base on a base hit, and Zimmer was the third base coach. Okay, at the time, and. Uh, so I went to get in position to to call the play, and Zimmer stepped right in front of me. And so I grabbed him, kind of backhanded him, and pulled him around me, and he tripped over my leg. And he, oh, went, no. he went head over tea kettle. I mean, he, he's rolling on the ground over there. And um, so when he got up, Moreland was out from here to Rocky Mountain. You know, he was out by half the baseline. He was and, even slower than me. And Zimmer was trying to tell him to slide because he, he knew that he shouldn't – they shouldn't have tried to sit anyway. Right. So – but he's over there rolling on the ground. So he got up and he charged me. And oh. and, and uh, so when he – I saw that he was going to bump me, I grabbed him by both arms and stopped him. And he said, you threw me on the ground. And he started cursing me. And I said, Don, I was trying to see the play. I didn't mean to throw you on the ground. I'm trying to be real nice and everything. So who comes up there but Doug Harvey? <laughs> and I'm working with Doug Harvey and Frank Pulley. Oh, and when, they got, when they got there, they couldn't figure out why he was arguing because Moreland was out so far. <laughs> and so Zimmer turned around and told Doug Harvey I was a this, this, and this, and Harvey threw him out of the game. So uh, he got he got kicked out of the game, and I didn't even throw him out. you know. And it was my fault because I didn't mean to knock him down, but I – Somebody showed me a film clip later, and he went head over tea kettle. It was it was not pretty, but uh, that's probably why he he would chew on me for the rest of my career. So I got you. So you know, Clave, you were asking. You know, my my first encounters with 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 Joe was I I wasn't allowed to have an encounter with him because Zimmer was always out there having an encounter before before I could even look at Joe Don would be out there and and here would here they would go you know it was it was it was pure entertainment and um but but then as like I said as I got to know Joe we got to we got to you know Joe's got a uh, in my opinion a good sense of humor and 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 vice versa and we we, we started becoming uh you know, respecting each other and all that stuff. And, 
you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to say, I, you know, that I, I can call umpires friends and, you know, I, I can call lots of umpires in my day that, yeah, I got to know them, uh, you know, on and off the field. And I consider Joe a, a, a friend of mine and someone that I, I hugely respect. But, you know, I remember one time, man, Klebs, I was in a I was in a slump. Oh, God, I I couldn't I couldn't spell hit. And I'm. Oh, about one for my last 35, and I, I had just hit into a double play, and and I, you know, that's the inning, you know. Now now I'm out there playing defense, and Joe Joe's at first base, and I'm just like Joe, I just absolutely want to kill myself, and Joe looks at me and says, "So does your manager." <laughs> <laughs> And I immediately, that made me laugh. That made me laugh myself. And, and honestly, it, it, it relaxed me to the point where, where I think I got a base hit my next time and went on to, went on to do, you know, better things. Like it got me out of my slump just because I was feeling sorry for myself. I was being, I was having a pity party or woe is me situation. And Joe, Joe said that. And I'm like, you know what? He's absolutely right. My manager hates me more than I do right now. So, uh, but but that's the kind of that's the kind of back and forth Joe and I had, and, and and it was a good time. If you'll remember, they had brought up a minor league pitcher to pitch that week, and he hit a double his first at bat in the left field gap. Oh my goodness! I, yes, yes, you're 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 enlightening me. I do remember. And, this he, and he hit a double his second at bat, and when you hit that weak fly ball, <laughs> you said, "I wish I could hit like our pitcher." And I said, so does everybody else on your team. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was it was but but that's that's the kind of that's the kind of back and forth Joe and I had for years and years. Uh you know, I, I didn't have as much time in the big leagues as Joe did, but I had sixteen. So obviously uh I I, I spent spent a lot of time with Joe and, and it was just uh it, it was he was he was a guy, he would mess with me all the time. And uh, I don't know if you messed with others as much as you messed with me, but you were pretty good at it with me. Hey, Gracie, who gave you trouble as an umpire? As we an know umpire. Joe wasn't the guy. Not well, you know, Joe and I like you. You know who you know at the, at that time. You you know who you could, you know, you know who was grumpy, and and you knew who, you, and you but you also knew who was you know fair minded. Like like for instance. Um, well, a guy that I always thought was grumpy was was a fellow. I'm, I'm sure Joe knows him well, but he was he was back in the day of American League umpires. His name was Joe Brinkman. Uh, he I just felt like he was grumpy, and so so I would I would always try. And well, the, my first run in with Joe Brinkman was, and Joe probably knows this. He, Joe Brinkman when he had when he had a, the when he was the plate umpire. He would, he would be on a knee about 10 feet behind the catcher. Honest, honest to God, he'd be on a knee about 10 feet behind the catcher. So this is right when interleague play started. So I had never had, uh, you know, for my first few years in the big leagues, there was no interleague play. So I, I get up to, I get up to my first at bat and we're, we're in Tiger Stadium, old Tiger Stadium. And, and I get up there and, and Joe's on, a, Joe Brinkman is on a knee about 10 feet behind the catcher and 
So I'm, I'm kind of looking back at him, looking back at him, and I'm like, you ready? Let's go. And he's and he and he cussed at me and and like like you're damn right I'm ready. Let's go. Get in the box. <laughs> okay. And and you know finish finish my bat and and I the, the next time I came up, I mean, if it was if the pitch was in the area code, ha, you know, it was strike. And 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 you know that that was an easy O for four that night because I just I just didn't know better. But uh, but I, I Joe Joe just came across as grumpy to me. But but I I felt like I had a pretty good relationship with most umpires. Now uh, uh, I only got kicked out of, I think three games in my whole career. Jim Quick got me one time, but I but I really like Jim Quick. Uh, uh, a guy named a guy we call Pee Wee Greg Bonet. He got me, and and I told I told because uh, we all called him Pee Wee. We didn't call him Greg. He threw me out of the game, and I told him, he wasn't a very big guy. I said I said Pee Wee, if you were foot tall, I'd knock you right on your ass. <laughs> Psst. Who's gonna take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to GoliathLife.com. Get a quick quote for more than twenty carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to GoliathLife.com. Hey, what about that time uh, you were a pup and Frank DePino decided to throw at you? Uh, Did you get tossed in that game? Oh, yeah, I got tossed. Yeah, when you charge a man, you get tossed. Joe, did you have that game? That was a game where I said, you got to calm down. You might get suspended. And I, I, you, I you said, say, you you said we're, you, we're in fifth, we're in fifth place. What that matters at me? <laughs> My rookie year, Frank DePino was, uh, was a Chicago Cub, left-handed pitcher. He was a Chicago Cub and I was a rookie and, you know, I was this snot-nosed rookie and everything. And, you know, there was a lot more hazing back in the, back in the eighties. Uh, my rookie year, there was a lot more hazing of rookies and, you know, rookies, there was only a couple of rookies. It was me and Rafael Palmero were the only two rookies on that team. And uh, so, so Rafael and I both got a, got a lot of grief from the veteran guys and that's just the way it was. I get it. But, but I felt like uh, Frank DePino when he would, you know, and Frank DePino, he was pretty, Pretty funny guy. He had some good. Uh, he had some pretty good one-liners and some good wisecracks, you know, and, and all that stuff. And after about two months of my rookie year, I felt like just about every one of his wisecracks and, and you know, I felt like they were all just kind of aimed at me. And and I felt like after a couple of couple of months, it, it wasn't just fun loving. It kind of became you know malicious and and yeah, this guy didn't like me very much. So so you know. The rest of that year, he and I, the rest of that, my rookie year, he and I got along about like a cat and a dog. And, uh, and Frank went, Frank finished out that year and, and, uh, you know, the, became a free agent and he signed with the St. Louis Cardinals. And, uh, <laughs> and he had told, he had told a couple of my teammates and our trainer at the time, he's like, I'm, you know, I, I'm so glad I stayed in the National League because the first chance I get, the first chance, time I face Grace, I'm going to drill his ass. And 
Okay. So it gets back to me. We go to St. Louis for the first time and um, we go to St. Louis and they, these, my teammates and, and our trainer told me, Hey, he said, by the way, you know, it, just, just a heads up. If, uh, if Whitey Herzog brings in Depino to, to, uh, to face you, he's going to, he's going to come after you. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to try to hit you. And I, and I told him, I said, well, if he does, you know, ring the bell, it's round one. And so sure enough, <laughs> we're, it's a Sunday day game mm-hmm. and, and we, we are just hammering the St. Louis Cardinals. Ryan Sandberg, it's a, it's a home run in front of me. I hit, I hit behind Ryan Sandberg and he hits a home run in front of me to make it about 10 to one in the you know fifth or sixth inning. Whitey comes out and give me the lefty. And that lefty is Frank DePino. So as he's as as Frank's trotting in from the bullpen down the right field, uh, I think it was the right field line back in old Bush Stadium. I go back to the dugout and I tell Rick Sutcliffe, I said, I said, all right, man. He goes, this, this, this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna hit me. And if he does, I'm going. And uh, you know, don't leave, you know, bring the cavalry with you because I'm gonna be out there on that island for about you know for for a little while. So let's suck the you know. all right. Well, here we go. I get, uh, so as I get as I'm going into the left-handed batter's box, I notice every St. Louis Cardinal is on the top step. Every St. Louis Cardinal, and then as I get in the left-handed batter's box, I look in the third base dugout, every Chicago Cub is on the top step. And I'm like and and Tony Pena is the catcher for the for the Cardinals, and he doesn't even put a sign down. Camino comes set, and here it comes, and it's and I, I spun, and it miss it missed me by you know by less than an inch, but it missed me. And hell with it, that's close enough. Here I go, here I go, and and there we go. And I'm telling you, Joe, if you remember correctly, it was a pretty good one. Yeah, and. and I, I just I got out there and and Frank and I you know we, we started we started you know doing the best we could and uh, and then man just a just an avalanche of human beings is just all over you you know it's just like and I'm I'm laying on the ground and I'm like maybe this wasn't such a good idea after all. <laughs> especially if you're at the bottom of the pile oh my gosh yeah so so anyway they're 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 you know. Cooler heads finally after after you know after what felt like an eternity on the bottom of that damn pile, uh, you know they they pull they they pull me off of there and all that and Pedro Guerrero's running around you know let me get let me out I'm like yeah turn me you know go ahead and turn Pete loose you know so 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 now Joe Joe West is is escorting me, you know, get out of here. You know, you're, you're, you're going to get suspended and, and all that, you know, come on, it's over. Let's go. And he's escorting me off the field in St. Louis. Well, first time I'd ever charged a mound, I didn't realize, you know, the, the visiting fans now, you know, Cardinals Cubs, big rivalry. You guys know that. I mean, there was beer, hot dogs flying at me. I'm getting, I'm getting all kinds of nonsense thrown at me. Joe, Joe kind of pushes me off and basically, you're on your own now. <laughs> I just got hit with so much debris, and I'm like, oh my god, I got to get out of here. But, but, uh, but yeah, that was that. That's the Frank DePino, Mark Gray story. 
Well, you had a lot of a lot of experience with the with Chicago, and then you went to the to the Diamondbacks, and uh, that was a pretty unique uh, situation there. You were on the World Series team with them, yeah. where they won the World Series in a in a pretty special year too. Uh, that uh, all the world should remember, and uh, the uh, the coolest thing that I see about your career is. Uh, was that you got to see a lot of different great pitching and great hitting. I mean, you, you played with, you played with Sutcliffe when he had his best year. Yeah. And you had uh, those two kids that came up uh, with the Cubs uh, prior. And who was the other one? Uh, Terry Wood. Wood. Yeah. But, but also, yeah. And then, you know, Greg Maddox, you know, playing behind Maddox. Yeah. And uh, well, I would, that's really funny. I had, I had Greg Maddox's first game. Uh, really? Yeah, he was put in as a pinch. I think he was put in as a pinch runner, and then he came in in relief. I don't know how they did that. But over the course of time, I had I had Greg Maddox's first game, and I had Dwight Gooden's first game. And, I mean, it was kind of funny how you go back and look at all this stuff. And, and then when you left the Cubs and you went to the Diamondbacks, you had – Schilling and Randy Johnson, and the most you, the most unique thing about this game is how how much big league ball players want to win, and how winning is so important as a team sport. How you feel like you've let your your compadres down if you you fail at trying to do your job, and uh, and I know that had to be good for you when you said you won the World Series and you said it was the most exciting thing you ever did. You thought it was better than sex, and then you said, of course. I'm not too good at that either. So, <laughs> but uh, that is verbatim what I said. <laughs> I think I think the coolest thing is for people to understand that uh, everybody's trying to win. I think a lot of the confrontations that ball players had with umpires was because uh, they were trying to do their very best. They were trying to win, and uh, I've told uh, Mike this before that. Uh, when we put instant replay in, it was amazing because the players now realize that the umpires are really trying to get them right. <laughs> it's true. And, and, yeah. and, you know, 90 something percent of the calls are correct. Yeah. And, so, but, but, but as you said, it, it's that competitive spirit and yet, you know, that, uh, and, and, and that's the thing. It's like, I, you know, to be able, I, I I couldn't be an umpire. You know, the old, the old uh, cliche is an umpire never has a home game. And, you know, but, but I also think Joe, you know, like you, you talk about wanting to win and, and, you know, for 13 years with the Chicago Cubs, you know, like, I gotta be honest, like I would say probably at least 10 of those teams were bad teams. You know, we, we made, uh, made the playoffs in 89 uh, and, and lost to the loss of the giants in the earthquake series. Uh, and then uh, 98, we, we were the wild card. We had a one-game playoff with the Giants and, uh, and a one-game playoff. But, but really, the, the most, of, most of the rest of my career as a club, I played, I played for bad teams. So uh, I was still a very loyal Chicago Cub, and I loved being a Chicago Cub. But, uh, you know, it, was, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it, it can grate on you. I was on a team for Chicago, guys, that – I think it was like 1990, maybe six, that we started the season 0 and 14, lost our first 14 games. 
Think about that. You're out of it in April. You're playing out the string for about 145, 150 games. Think about that. You, you and you gotta you gotta stay tuned in. You gotta you gotta go out there and continue to go out there and try to and bust your ass, knowing knowing that most likely we're gonna get beat. And you know it, if we play well and the other team, you know we just didn't we just didn't have enough talent uh, to compete with the with the 500 teams or better. And, and you know, just that—that's the kind of thing that uh, that that you have to deal with. But then, you know, fast forward to 2001 with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I'm like, man, I've never been on a team this talented in my life. You know, there, we had star power too, man. When you know, he mentioned uh, Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, but you go around, you know, we had Luis Gonzalez, Matt Williams, Steve Finley, Reggie Sanders, myself, Jay Bell. Tony, I mean, we had we we had star power on that team, and that's why I think that's another reason why Joe was saying, you know, when we beat the Yankees in the 01 World Series, you know, the the star power the Yankees possessed too. You know, it, it was you know from from Clemens and Pettit to you know Musino on the mound to you know the greatest closer of all time and Mariano Rivera to Derek Jeter and and Bernie Williams and you know just the list goes on and on and on. I mean, that was an absolute dogfight. I mean, you know, much respect from both sides, but it was it was a two a stud team from the National League and a stud team from the American League just freaking going at it. And it's the first time I was ever on a, a, a postseason stage like that. And I'll tell you what, it's uh, it, it's been 21 years, but I, I I still remember it like 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 it was last night. Yeah, that, that, that's so unique, and 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 really, it's uh, it's one of those things where all of all of America, you know, was watching because yeah. from everything that was happening at the time, this Not was right. This was something to help the country heal. So that was really really unique. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Mark Grace is our guest on Fifty Four Sixty, the Joe West podcast. Gracie, you you played with a whole lot of good players, even in Chicago. Yes, uh, best player you ever faced as as an opposition. No, it's 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 hands down. It's not even close. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was the best player I've ever seen. Now you can you can say what you want to say about him, but uh, he he wasn't the only guy in my era. But by far. The, the best player I've ever seen is Barry Bonds. And and honestly, it's not even close. You can talk about Griffey all you want, A-Rod, uh, you know, go down the list of, of great players. It, it, my era, not even close, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds changed the way ma- the way managers managed. Like you had to you had to manage your your way around. Okay, Barry Bonds is hitting fifth next inning. So what do we want to do this inning? And and there's there's this thing you do, guys. Uh, when when you want to walk a guy, you put four fingers up like that. Like you want to walk. If you didn't put four fingers up, he hit a home run. If you pitched to him, he hit a home run. He didn't hit a single. He didn't hit a double. He hit it. In the, he hit it in the damn ocean out there in right field in in San Francisco. And you know, and once again, whether you whether you. Like Barry or dislike Barry, it's. I personally, I personally got along with him fine. I like him, but 
he is hands down, not even close, uh, the, the, the player of my era that was the best I've ever seen. Now, your career 300 hitter. Right. Um, Thanks. Thanks for mentioning that. I, I, I thought you'd appreciate that. All right. Who was a guy that you owned? Who was a guy you had the paperwork on? And who was a guy that gave you problems? Man. Okay. Uh, I'll start. I'll start with the guy that I owned. And he and he's a Hall of Famer. Believe it or not, he's a Hall of Famer. I wore out John Smoltz. I, I wore him out. He had such good stuff. And, and and Joe knows he had he had the, the the best seat in the house for a lot of John Smoltz pitch games, but for some reason I had I wasn't a big home run hitter. I hit like 175 or something like that in my career. Like seven of them were off John Smoltz, <laughs> and, and and about three more in the minor leagues off of him. And you know when he was a uh, when he was in the Detroit Tiger uh, uh, farm. So so I, I wore him out and. And the guy that the two guys owned me, and they were both New York Mets. Uh, one was Ron Darling. Remember Ron Darling? Oh yeah. I think uh, one for twenty-eight off of Ron Darling. And I, 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 I could handle Gooden. I could handle David Cohn. I could handle Sid Fernandez. But man, I could not handle. I could not handle Ron Darling. He just, he just. Uh, I couldn't pick up. He had a good split finger. I couldn't pick it up. And he, he could tell me what was coming, and I still couldn't hit him. But And the other was their, their closer, a guy named John Franco. Uh, Johnny Franco, I think uh, two for 35 lifetime off of him, something like that. And and it was a – and those two hits weren't hard hit at all. So uh, <laughs> John, Johnny was uh, – you know, I love Johnny. A great guy. And – and he would, you know, John, Johnny. He got he had a he had a ton of saves, and I think he I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. But he would start if he if he got a couple guys on base, he'd start looking over in the Cubs dugout. All right, how many guys can I pitch around to get to Grace? <laughs> so he'd get a guy on, you know, in a one run game, and he'd start looking over, and I'd I'd scream out from the dugout, Ah, uh-uh, John. Five more guys to me. <laughs> and he would start laughing because I knew what he was looking. How many more guys can I walk to get to Grace? Because I know I can get him out. So, yeah, he, so both those New York Mets just wore me out. Hey, folks, I'm glad you're listening today and having a chance to listen to Joe and our favorite guests we have on. But I want to talk to you about something else. You know, it's that time of the year where guys are getting a little frisky about different things and they want to make sure they can perform on the field and in other rooms of the house, if you know what I mean. That's where Blue Chew comes in. And this is something, Joe, that we have had a chance to talk about. And Blue Chew is something that we need to let everybody know that can really help them in a lot of different areas. Well, the coolest thing about Blue Chew is it's an online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And the chewable tablets are there at a fraction of the cost of the other stuff. You can take them anytime, day or night, just to get yourself ready for your performance later on or anytime that's the great thing about it you don't have to set the clock you can just go when you go but you know here's the deal so for people who've never heard of blue chew let me explain to you how it works you just go to bluechew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers and once you're approved you'll see your prescription in in about a few days it doesn't take that long It's it's a quick turnaround and the best part about it is you're doing everything online 
just like you're listening to the show, it's online, no doctor's office visits, no awkward conversations about what do you think, or I've got a little problem. And you know, the neatest thing is you never hear your name called in a pharmacy line at the, at the, at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made right here in the U.S., and they're prepared and shipped to you direct to your door in a discreet package. So if you want more information, just check them out, bluechew.com, and you'll find out that you will have a lot in common with the postman after a while. You'll also find out that first impressions, they are important. But with Blue True, I can guarantee you this, it'll make a lasting impression. And that's what this is all about. So it's time to get off the couch, fellas. Let's get in the ball game. You, you're messing up. You're wasting too much time just thinking about it. Blue True will get you moving in the right direction. And I do mean up. You know, a great songwriter once wrote, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And of course, you probably have never heard of him. It was me. But the Blue Chew is free when you use our promo code, Joe West, at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping and the BlueChew.com promo code Joe West to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Well, that's, that's just interesting that you look back on all that stuff. You know, I had, uh, you were talking about Bonds. I had Bonds' as father as a okay. player. And he was quite the athlete himself. He, he He's started, a great coach for the Giants, you know, for there their for a while. So I got to yeah, know him. He, he struck out more than Barry ever did. But uh, he could, he was the five-tool player. And, right. uh, and it, the only thing that Barry didn't do well was he couldn't throw. Right. He wasn't that good at throwing the ball from the outfield. And <clears throat> the funny thing is, is he'd lead the league and assist because they would run on him. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Out. But he, he covered, you know, when he was when oh, he yeah. wasn't as, as huge as he got, you know, he covered a lot of ground out there too. You know, he, he was a good look. He didn't have a great arm, but you're right. He, uh, yeah, he he was a he was a pretty good outfielder, but you're right. He he, he didn't have a very good arm. Yeah, that was his only. That was his only weakness. Try to take the extra base on Barry. Yeah, that, that's why he led the league in assists and because they would run. You know, it's uh, even but, slow guys like me would try it. Yeah, but it, you look you look back on all these things, and you the thing that gets me today is the the player today doesn't seem to study the game like you guys did, like. You, you would understand what this guy's going to throw you, you know, when you're hitting. Um, and even even the umpires, when I first came up, there were ballplayers that would ask other ballplayers, have you had this umpire before? Because if you have – Absolutely. What's he like? Is he – can you talk to him? Is, is he – like you said, is he grumpy? Uh, so they were, there's a lot of – today that I think that the people are kind of missing out on. But uh, Well, I, I think you're right. And I think, you know, what, what is what has happened is is the game has become kind of robotic. The players have become robotic. The umpires have become robotic. It's because, you know, every you know replay now, uh, you know, that was I, the the and you know I don't mind I don't mind replay. I don't mind it because at the end of the day, the the goal is to get the call right, and I and I get that, but. It's also taken a very entertaining part of the game out of it, and that's an argument between a manager and an umpire, or a player and an umpire. And that's you know, fans love that. Fans love. Uh, they loved it when Don Zimmer would come out and, 
and and get after Joe. They, you know, you know, one of the best arguers I ever saw uh, at Joe is and you, you know, Jerry Crawford. Jerry Crawford. I mean, one of the one of the one of the nicest and a damn good umpire. Damn good umpire and just a nice guy. But I'll tell you what, I saw him just abuse the managers and players when when they started going out. I was like, ooh. I'm going to try to stay on his good side. <laughs> well, his, his dad was an umpire too, you know. Uh, Shag's, right? Yeah, Shag was an umpire. Just He was he was there before I got there. Okay. In and fact, they, they kept Jerry out of the big leagues because they didn't want him to work with his dad. And they, oh, really? Really, they realized years later that was a mistake. And they, he was a damn good umpire. Yeah, they actually let uh, Hunter Winstead come up and work with his dad. But uh, That's true. Shag was a Shag was a special umpire. He was uh, he was of uh, the old Barlick uh, Donatelli area era, and uh, he was he was pretty special too. And you know his brother Joey was an NBA referee. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. yeah, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, Joey Crawford was was for a long time a very yeah. good referee as well. That's that's yeah. interesting though how a family like that you know gets into officiating and umpiring. But one of my one of my favorite stories about Joey was Barkley walked up behind him one day and said, "What does it feel like to be the worst official in your family?" <laughs> I, know, I know Charles pretty good. That sounds like <laughs> that's just like him. <laughs> Did Jerry have a good comeback? Joey Joey just Joey, laughed. Yeah. He thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what are you going to come back on that? <laughs> But you know, there's there's so many. You know, like I said, I got to know I got to know so many many umpires, and and like I said, there's a bunch of and you know, there you knew and and like Joe was saying, like uh, you you find out, hey, what you know, does this guy have a wide strike zone? Does he have a bit? Is he a small? Is he more of a a pitcher's umpire? Is he or is he more of a of a hitter's umpire? And, you know, you had he had small small strike zones. A guy that comes to mind that I thought had a pretty small strike zone. Uh, and one of my favorite guys, a guy named Randy Marsh, I felt like uh, I felt like he had a smaller strike zone where uh, where a guy with a really big uh, strike zone uh, in my day was uh, well well Doug Harvey had a big strike he had a wide strike zone um, but but at the same time uh, a guy like uh, Frank Pulley Frank Pulley I thought had a uh, had a pretty big had a pretty big zone. Um, another guy that I loved. I think I, I don't think Frank's with us anymore, but uh, but uh, but he was he was always a lot of fun over there at first base as well. Uh, but but yeah, you. But here, here's the thing, Joe. Going back to your comment, is is the you had to in order to in order to be to improve, you had to watch. It's not. It wasn't all video like it is now. Now you just watch video. You actually had to watch the game. And you didn't have the numbers crunch, you know, all right, uh, on a, on a two, two count, 61% of the time, he's going to, he's going to throw a change up, you know? And, and I remember, I remember one time when I was a hitting coach for the diamondbacks, this, we were, we were having our hitter hitters meeting and we're, we're facing, we're facing a Padre named James Shields and James Shields had a, had a good change up. And his thing was, when you get to a three-two count, guys, sixty-eight percent of the time he throws a changeup. Three-two count, sixty-two or sixty-eight percent of the time he throws a changeup. Well, one of our hitters 
He's gonna he's gonna remain nameless, David Peralta. He uh, <laughs> he, he got up there his first at bat, couple guys on, and got to a three-two count. And James Shields throws a fastball right down the can, strike three, and David Peralta, oh, you know, just throws it. You know, he's looking for a danger. He comes back and he is pissed off at at, at me and the other hitting coach, a guy named Dave Magadan, and he's like. He's like, you said he's going to throw a chance. I'm, I'm like, guess what? You got the other 32%, pal. <laughs> and, and I mean, it, it's, it's not – these numbers are, are – they're, 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 they're okay, but they're not the gospel. You know, they're not the gospel. You know, maybe at that time he didn't have a good feel for his changeup yet. You know, it's, it's stuff like that. You have to watch, Joe. You have to watch. What is – you know, how is he pitching other left hand? I used to watch – I used – when – in my playing days, I used to watch as many Pittsburgh Pirate games as I could because I wanted to watch Andy Van Slyke hit because I felt like Andy Van Slyke and myself were pretty similar type hits. And I'll be damned, both you guys, I'll be damned if I wouldn't watch him hit against the Cincinnati Reds. And I'm like, okay, Jose Rijo is pitching him this way. Tom Browning is pitching him this way. I'll be damned if they didn't pitch me the exact same way the, the, the next time I faced them. So you actually had to watch, which now that, you know, that, that, that part of the game has been taken out of it because of all the numbers crunching going on. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, fellas, guess what? We've got a special guest that's going to join us. Gracie, you know me ah! for a long time. Ah! You guys started off in Peoria. Both of you guys were in the minor leagues. He played 12 years in the National Hockey League. 1,497 penalty minutes. Wasn't necessarily a goal scorer, but they don't make him any better than him. He played with a bunch of Hall of Famers. He's a King Clancy Trophy winner as well. Say hello to Kelly Chase. Chaser, good to have you on board. Thanks, buddy. Hey, did you say how many penalty minutes? 1,497. That's wrong. Okay, how many? 2017. <laughs> you must have gotten a fight between now and uh, yesterday, I guess, huh? You just look it up. You're looking at the blue stats. You're not looking at the NHL stats. <laughs> you must not have counted the 10-minute misconducts. I, I know that nobody wants to remember the, the uh, years in uh, Hartford, but you got to add them in there, too. <laughs> I stand corrected. How's it going, boys? I I, I was listening to Gracie talking about pitch count. I never watched anybody shooting on a goalie and said, man, he does the same thing to me. And I I go, son of a bitch and goalie, stop me the same way. (laughs) Now, how far do you guys go back? I mentioned the fact you guys knew each other from the minor league days. So how many years now? Uh, let, I'll let, uh, you've heard you've heard a lot of me, Kelly. Go ahead and take that. Well, I, which actually, the, you know, Gracie being in Peoria and then having that run where he went up and was playing in the playoffs is funny because we got to know one another. And then I'm in the NHL. Gracie's in the uh, uh, you know playing up in in the big leagues, and and he comes to the game, and I'm excited. He's coming to the game, and he's. I said, "Come on, we're gonna we're gonna you know I want to you know see you after the game, or I'll see you you know a little more." As you know, in baseball, the clubhouse is a little bit more relaxed than, say, Brian Sutter would be just prior to a playoff game in, in Chicago. And uh, Gracie just 
rolls in the locker room. He's like, Chaser. I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, talking to him. And I'm rookie. And I'm like, uh-oh. And then Gracie's got a Hawks jersey, uh, jacket on. I'm like, Gracie. He goes, I don't know what the big deal. And the funny part about it was I took batting practice with him and didn't learn a damn thing from it because the next year I'm out with a Cubs jersey on taking batting practice. And Joe Torrey comes over to me and goes, hey, Kelly, come here for a second. I said, hey, what's going on? He said, listen, man, if you're going to stick around town here and play for the Blues and uh, drink some Budweiser beer, you might want to get out of that Cubs jersey in St. Louis <laughs> <laughs> and put on a Cardinal hat. If you want to take batting practice, you can come and take it any day you want with the Cardinals. But if I was you, and of course, no cell phones or anything, he goes, if I was you, you I'd get your ass out of that Cubs uniform. <laughs> Good advice. Well, that's great. You guys go back a long way. And it's we, really we go back. We go back to Peoria, Illinois. I was playing single A baseball in Peoria, Peoria, Illinois, and uh, Kelly was playing uh, triple. I guess it was considered triple A hockey for the Peoria Rivermen. And the baseball season and the hockey season uh, intertwined for about a month and a half. And we had this. Uh, we had this uh, drinking establishment where we the lucky go, lady. The lucky lady. Yeah, it was Sully's, right? It was called Sully's, I believe. Oh, we were at the lucky la- we were at the lucky lady the night we did the beer. Talking about the beer drinking contest. Yeah, that was the luck- lucky lady. Yes. So, so anyway, bunch of us baseball, you know, guy, you know, that probably about five or six of us went went into lucky lady, and we we see these we see these good sized dudes, and we're just like, yeah, yeah. And, well, and they're they're kind of at the table or the booth next to us, and. We got to yapping at each other, and you know, hey, I mean, you know, we're hockey players, we're baseball players, and we got, you know, hey, so yeah, come on over here. So we all started, we all started to to have a bunch of, you know, diet, diet Pepsi's, and uh, no, we were, we were drinking pitchers of freaking beer is what we were doing. So, <laughs> so you know, we got to, hey, you know, uh, anyway, let's have a let's have a pin, you know, put a bunch of pitchers out here, let's have a drinking contest, you know, whoever. Whoever wins, you know the the other the other guys have to pay. Gracie, I got to stop you for a second because I remember the guy's name. His name's Trey Godotti. He owned the place, and he said, "If you guys, we want to set up a beer drinking contest, the baseball players against the hockey players." That's exactly right. I, the that's guy, cool. team that wins gets a free tab for the night. Well, when you're making like, you know, twenty two seven hundred dollars a month is what I made. Yeah. Yeah, so like when you're making 22 grand a year in the minors, that was what we were paying the AAA. You're gonna win this beer drinking contest. <laughs> Gracie, Gracie was the first guy up in the beer drinking contest, and there was myself, and Dave Tomlinson, and Rob Dirk, and Lyle Odeline. And Lyle oh. Odeline started off drinking against Gracie. It was pretty tight. Everybody had to drink two full mugs of it. I was a pretty good beer drinker back then. They thumped them back at the same time and down went the mugs. And by the time we got back to Gracie, whoever was our, our running uh, the, the the last horse, Gracie was on his second beer. We were finishing up eight of them. And Gracie just got to it. And we said, hey, man, the only one of you guys that allowed to hang around with us now is Grace. He gets a free tab with us for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> hockey players. Needless to say, the, the hockey players, anytime the baseball players were there, the hockey players never never bought, bought a beer the rest of that year. But that's how that's how that's how we got to know each other, and uh, and hell, I, he's been a dear friend of mine for 
over 30 years now. So let me run this by all three of you guys. The minor leagues is really a lot of fun when it comes to storytelling, bus rides, things of that nature. And, and I've always thought maybe the bus rides might have been the most creative rides you guys have ever taken. So I'll start with you, Chaser. Your best minor league bus ride. We'll go around the horn because Joe West, you might you were you umpired in the minor leagues as well. And I'm sure you had a few car rides that might have been interesting with some of your compadres. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't really know what the best one. I mean, I was in Peoria. I was in Saskatoon, and we used to have to take that 26-hour trip out to the West Coast, play six games out there and come back to Saskatoon, and we'd do it in about eight days, and it was awful. Uh, But in Peoria, we had a great group of guys. We lost our first game, and we won the next 18 in a row. And then we ended up winning the cup that year, but we had this group of guys that were so much fun. And Jimmy VC got one of those two way radios and he put it at the back of the bus and the entire year, uh, he talked to the driver of the bus, our bus from the back of the bus. And he had to have them thinking if this, this truck driver who's a super fan, him and his wife are following at the end of the game. And he had, uh, he had our driver crazy. This, our driver was like, this he needs, he leaned over to Bobby Plager and say, this guy, this guy, Turk, he's, he's following us again, coach. I'm going to try and keep him away from the players and do the best I can, coach. And I mean, everything. And he's, and you know, VC would be at the back of the bus and he'd say, is Plager on that bus with you guys? And the guy'd say, sir, I can't talk about stuff like that. He'd say, I saw Plager out the other night, bunch of chicks hanging over him, all over him. And Plager, of course, can hear all of this, right? The best. He knows it's us screwing with the driver. This went on the entire year where these guys had this driver making turns where he shouldn't have made turns because he said the semi's falling away. Great. Oh, that poor son of a bitch. <laughs> what about you, Gracie? Well, you know, when, when Kelly and I were, were riding buses, you know, there was, there was no iPads or laptops or you couldn't stream stream movies or anything like that. I had one of those old Sony Walkmans, you know, I did, and I was, an, uh, you know, it's something about me. I cannot sleep on airplanes. I can't sleep on buses. I can't sleep in cars. It's, I wish, I wish it was different, but I just can't. So, you know, one, he's talking about, you know, I never had a 26 hour, you know, bus ride, but, you know, I had, I had more, you know, had double digits a couple times, but that said, you got the whole bus sound asleep and me wide awake with a Sony Walkman on, you know, listening to, to whatever music I listened to back then. And, and, but there was a time where the, just about every teammate I had wanted to fight me because they're trying to sleep and I had really bad gas on the back, back of the bus. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we've all been there and it was bad. So, and yeah, I always said, you know, I'd rather lose a friend than lose an intestine. So, <laughs> so needless to say, for about an eight-hour bus ride, I had the, I had everybody, you know, pitchers, hitters, it didn't matter, honestly threatening me. Yeah, Grace, do it one more time. I promise, do it one more time. I'm gonna beat your ass. Well, <laughs> sorry, you eight, know, eight I mean, hours of gas. So pretty, pretty soon, pretty soon, it's just like. I just got I just got to giggling, you know, and I'm sorry, you guys. So, well, yeah, that but that's that's one of the one of the worst and best memories that I've got. 
Joe, you had a few car rides in the minor leagues from place to place. Yeah, and I always knew Mark was full of it. Now I know it. He's admitted to it. <laughs> but uh, I worked. I worked the last season. Well, my double A season, we had car trips where we had to drive. I was working with John Shulock. Now, can you imagine that? I know Shoe. Now, when we'd walk on the field. John Shulock and I'd walk on the field. The players would look at each other and go, oh, no, not them. It was just because we were the two biggest red asses in baseball at the time. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, we probably still are. So, anyway, uh, we're going over the mountains, Tennessee. We're going Knoxville to Savannah. And when we get into over the mountains, we stop at this little truck stop. And so we go in and we have breakfast and he, he had grits with his breakfast. And, and as he's leaving the cook in his little vest up there, takes your money as you're leaving. And he says, my compliments to the chef. Those are the greatest grits I've ever had. He said, could I get the recipe? And he reached under the counter, pulled out a pack of instant grits and flipped it at him. He said, just add water, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's this big, tough Polak. He wants to just rip this guy's head off. Like, well, let's go, John. Come on. <laughs> but he was he was some kind of partner now. You you talk about uh, having your back, which, you know, Kelly, when you played, you you had your other players' backs. And when Mark played, he had – you know, but uh, I, I got you talk about driving stories. I got a driving story. It's not necessarily a bus story. Gracie stays they're, they're in town playing and we go out. We have a few adult beverages and it's getting late. Oh, God. Probably, I know pretty, story. probably pretty late because it's just about sun's coming up. <laughs> and, uh, silly to say it now. But so Gracie, I said, well, just stay at my place. Cause I'll whip you down, you know, in the afternoon. So we're just going to work close to my house. And I don't know if I kind of nodded off or what happened, but we hit, oh, a flock, we hit a flock of geese crossing the road by the pond in my subdivision. And I mean, there was just feathers flying everywhere. And some lady was running. And I mean, there was shit everywhere. No pun intended. And, and so I've, I've got a dealer vehicle. So, I pull in my garage and park my car, and I mean, I'm like, holy! I look at the front of the car, I'm like, oh my god! I mean, I got they smashed my grill. It, it, it took. I was carcass, carcass all in the grill. But I mean, I hit. So, anyways, lo and behold, uh, the lady running's a nature lover, and the <laughs> ringing on my doorbell and the pounding on the door. And I go to the door, and it's a Chesterfield police officer. He said, Kelly. He said. You are driving a black uh, expedition, are you? And I said, no, sir. I had a black Yukon. And I said, no, sir. He said, okay, because someone reported someone that drove down this street driving a black <laughs> expedition. He hit, a, hit a flock of geese back there. We got six dead geese and a bunch of the animal people calling us. 
<laughs> and he said, I just want to make sure it wasn't you. I said, sir, not me tonight. <laughs> goes, yeah, that's what I thought. So he got out. I mean, this guy might as well said he, he knew he was just like, open your garage door. He, he didn't want to write this up any more than I wanted to go through the story with him. And so <laughs> on the on the way to the game, <laughs> it was like, I'm sorry, some animal activist is going to be all over your shit and your podcast and everything else. <laughs> I mean, there's. It was like they had flowers, like everything for these dead geese. They had these these geese removed from over there. But we, Gracie and I went to take them back to the hotel. There was just feathers everywhere. <laughs> those Canadian geese are protected. You know, they're protected. Not not in, not in Canada. They're not. <laughs> it's all nice around the golf course with them shitting everywhere here. You don't want that? That's fine. But not where I'm from. And I can tell you this, there, there was no one where I'm from that would have worried about it. But honest to God, I was like, Gracie, I think, I, I th he goes, you think you hit some geese? <laughs> you hit a block of them, brother. <laughs> you could have fed Thanksgiving with what you hit dead over there in that road. I, I, I told you I can't sleep in cars. I was wide awake. <laughs> 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 oh shit! That was a little early for the geese to be. <laughs> oh, they never felt a thing. Trust me. Uh, well, finally, that was thirty years. Ago, I think, and they hurt so long ago. They got the population back at uh, Green Green Trails Pond. Now, well, the statute of limitations has passed. You'll be okay. <laughs> Oh, hey, fellas, we've had a lot of fun today with this. This has been a blast. Uh, Gracie, it's great to see you. And uh, just thanks for sharing the stories with us. And, and Chaser, I always love seeing you and just having you two guys together. Many nights we were at Harry's and having good times there. And uh, you just brought up some memories again for some of the good nights. Yeah, it was, it was great. Thanks for having me. Sorry about uh, a little hiccup earlier. I would have been on a little bit earlier. And uh, Gracie, I'll be coming down to see you soon. I just bought a place at D.C. Ranch. Well, yes. you're out there with the rich folks. I'm going to come come to your house. Just don't just don't drive late at night. That's yeah. all. <laughs> no hey, Westy, good luck with your show. It's great to see you, pal. And, you. Uh, and Chaser, love you, buddy. And uh, Klebs, thanks for having me. Uh, let, let's do it again soon. We okay. will. All right. This was all fun. Right. Thank you, guys. For Joe West and Kelly Chase and Mark Grace, I'm Mike Claiborne. Thanks for tuning in to 5460, the Joe West Podcast. My baby took me to the ballpark to see a baseball game. Lord, it had to be at least 99 in the shade. I was stealing a glance at some tight short pants just as I turned my head. My baby grabbed me by the arm and this is what she said. If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone. You better play it safe and don't do me wrong. Cause if you cheat on me, You'll be out at home. You've been listening to 5460, the Joe West podcast here on the Podcast Heat Network. Make sure to subscribe and don't miss an episode each and every Monday. We'll talk to you next week.
she's checking all the signs while I'm enjoying two of the great American pastimes. It's fouling up my nerve watching all these curves, remembering what she said to me. And if I get caught looking, it's gonna be strike three. If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone. You better play it safe and don't do me wrong. Cause if you cheat on me, well, you'll be out at home. If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone. You better play it safe. And don't do me wrong Cause if you cheat on me Well you'll be out at home If you cheat on me You'll be out at home 